<laughs> Welcome to the Heather Penny Podcast, where our goal is to help you reach your potential by increasing clarity, building confidence, and engaging courage. Heather is a leadership coach, trusted advisor, and admired author. I'm Christina Morales, a writer and marketer, and Heather is my dear friend and my coach. So today we're going to tackle a huge issue that I think everyone struggles with, with at one time or another. What's wrong with me? Uh, maybe we question ourselves at certain times due to a relationship breakup. Uh, maybe we got fired or left a job. Or it could just be a reaction to an event that triggers past emotions. So Heather, we all have something that has wounded us in our past. Does this mean that there's something wrong with us? Did it break something in us? Well, I think it's an important question to ask what's wrong with me. And I think we do that a lot in uh, counseling. And I think it's an important process. What can happen though, is that we can get stuck in that. Mm. And I remember this is where my mind shift happened. I walked out of a counseling office and I just remember thinking I could spend the rest of my life trying to figure out what's wrong with me because there's plenty. <laughs> Or maybe I should start asking what's right with me. Yeah. And so I think as I started shifting more into, again to that mindset, we talked about this in another podcast about being done apologizing for our lives. But for me, I had to start saying, all right, Ev, you've spent a lot of energy trying to address things, get healing, um, get rid of baggage, be your best self, step into your best life. I mean, I could keep going. <laughs> Because I am a self-help junkie. <laughs> or you can start saying, hey, what are you good at? And how do we continue to grow that and get stronger and better at that? And unbeknownst to me, that really set me, that's the core that set me on my whole trajectory of coaching. And I'm noticing how much people will get on the line and they're ready to discuss what's wrong with them, which I always applaud their transparency and their authenticity of that. But I usually gently get to shift the conversation and say, I think we probably can check that box off. We've spent a ton of time mm -hmm. thinking what's wrong with us. I'd like to start the conversation of what's right with you. Mm -hmm. So it then shifts the whole conversation where they get to move into more clarity, more confidence, more courage, and we get to be more in this thriving mentality. And that's really the epitome or the core of 3C living. What's right with you? I want to help people figure out what's right with you. And certainly balance it with the tension of understanding where you can um, work on some areas. But for the most part, I don't think we spend as much energy on the what's right with us. And so that's, that's where I like to take the conversation and say, hey, you're not good there. Keep going here. Mm -hmm. um, we've talked about self-talk in the past, and that's like the perfect direction for it. We can focus on, okay, what's wrong with me? And then we beat ourselves up or we can see our potential and move forward. And that's exactly what a leadership coach does is you're moving yep. forward. So what's right with me and how can I harness that power and move into my potential, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, I believe like you do, that there are power in words. And so what's wrong with me means that something isn't right, I'm broken, then I have to be fixed. So um, what should we use instead of broken or wrong? How should we call out these flaws so that we know we have to fix them, but it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with us. Right. One of the terms I started using in my coaching is what I call a target growth area. And so to get very concrete, I just say, where do you want to grow? Oh, that's good. Mm -hmm. Not what do you want to fix because right. it's just going to stabilize ourselves. That's a survival mentality. 
where do you want to grow? And the, t- the target growth area, which I use the acronym TGA, <laughs> becomes your focus point of this is what I'm heading toward. This is kind of like my North Star. And the reason I like the idea of a target is when you're growing, you're not going to hit a bullseye every time. <laughs> you know, just keep facing the right target, keep shooting the same way and making sure that you're moving toward that and let yourself do trial and error and figure it out and explore and develop. Make this kind of your own safe place to start growing in an area that you've known you wanted to grow in mm-hmm. and where you're naturally feeling good. Many times people, when I've worked with clients, particularly in um, leadership coaching and corporate settings, they're, they're very focused on the negative and, you know, like I want to be a better communicator or I want to, I want to fix my conflict or I want to, I want to do better in my relationships and I want to go, oh, <laughs> I think we can set a better target growth area, which is something like, I want to strengthen the relational rapport in my marriage. Mm. I want to step into this conversation and stop avoiding it. You know, I want to be known for being a um, communicator with integrity. Mm. These are strong target growth areas. And I can say, yeah, well, let's go for that versus let's just stop doing behavior that we don't like. Mm-hmm. That's, that's great. It's, it's moving forward to an achievable goal. And I love that you're putting names to it. Like you're getting specific. So it's a measurable goal. Like in marketing, that's what we do. What's our measurable goal. And I want to be a good communicator. Yeah, that's fine and great, but I want to communicate better in my marriage. So that way we avoid arguments and we understand each other better. Now that is a lot more measurable. So that's a great. I want to build trust between me and my teenager. Mm-hmm. You know, that we want to get these, these targeted growth areas of where people are wanting to grow instead of sitting there worrying about what they're doing wrong. Mm-hmm. And life isn't perfect. And so a conflict or disappointment is going to trigger the, the thought of what's wrong with me? Why did this cause me to react this way? So how can we create a strategy to get over these conflicts and painful events that will come up that we can, how do we address that? So we don't think what's wrong with me? How, how do I not get overly emotional about these events? Yep. My go-to question probably 20 years ago is what's wrong with me. I lived in that paradigm. Mm-hmm. And so being an achiever, I really achieved in that question. <laughs> I was just rooting out what's wrong with me. I think as I started shifting my mindset and started thinking, what do I need to start seeing about myself that I'm already naturally good in? And how do I grow that? Things like um, assessments, like the strengths assessments, the Enneagrams, these are personality assessments that really help me um, focus in on what I'm naturally good at helped me because I like the concrete. The second thing that really helped me was telling people, I am a strong achiever. I'm a strong relater, which means that I love hitting goals, but I also love doing it with people in the team. You know, I, letting people in with what I want to grow in helped me grow faster. It accelerated my growth. Mm-hmm. And so learning to how to have these, these people that see your potential and are committed to standing with you in it, mm-hmm. whether it's more of a formal relationship like a coach or a mentor or a um, supervisor, or if it's more of a friend, an informal relationship or a spouse, a friend, a sibling, whatever. We are able to say, yeah, here's where I want to grow. Can you support me with this? Can you stand with me in this? Do you believe in this with me? Mm -hmm. That's the number one thing I've seen that accelerates our growth faster than anything else. 
How do we develop those relationships? How do we find those relationships? Yeah, this goes back to our clarity. We got to get clarity on the type of relationships we want because we got to get clarity on our target growth areas. And then we got to get clarity on who is the best person to help us. Mm-hmm. All right, it was my phone ringing. <laughs> <laughs> Life isn't perfect, so I don't know. <laughs> Does that answer your question? Mm-hmm. So um, our words also impact others. And so how do we instruct our spouse, our kids, or you have a lot of uh, executives on in your coaching. So how do they talk to their employees without harming their self-worth? So let's say my kid has a bad attitude and I don't want to say you're bad. You have a bad attitude. How do we address something wrong? Or if there's an employee that has a bad attitude, how does the leader have a conversation that says, Hey, what's going on? What does that sound like? Yeah, I think I always like to respect that people hold their own inner wisdom within them. So I typically will start out with what challenges are you facing? Once I get talk about the challenges, I just usually lead it. It's a natural lead right into, well, where would you like to grow? Where would you like to contribute? Um, What is it that you would like to do differently in this? Out of that becomes really a set target growth area. And I usually encourage anywhere from two to three during a year because it's, it gives you time to chew on it, to develop it, to noodle on it. But out of that, we start creating this kind of growth trajectory so that we can continue to grow and strengthen where where we want to grow and it's where we're naturally strong in. Mm -hmm. And so I think leaders can start, they can trust their their leaders to tell them, you know, I just sit down and have a one-on-one and get some insight on their their challenges and then ask them them where they want to grow. 90% of the time, people usually know. And my job then is to help it get into a nice little clean phrase so that they can use it as a handle to talk about. But for the most part, I think leaders get a little nervous saying, oh, I have to tell people where to grow. I go, no, you don't. You just got to open the conversation and start asking some questions to get your clarity. You got to get your clarity as a leader. Your leader has to get their clarity. And then together, you got to get clarity on where you want to grow and how it aligns with your job responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And what do we do if someone's pointing out what's wrong with us? Like I had this very toxic boss two years ago and she would literally once a month yell at me. I don't cry. And she would yell at me once a month until I would break down and cry in her office. And then she'd say, what's wrong with you? Why are you so emotional? And so how do we... Sorry, Christina, that's terrible. It was very toxic. And so she had... It was great for a year and a half. And then for half a year, it just was toxic. So I had to leave. But how do we handle those type of people who who like to point out our flaws? And sometimes we can choose to leave. Like I left that job. And sometimes we can't choose to leave, like we've talked about our families in the past. So how do we, uh, how do we say, I'm not wrong? This is your issue, not mine. Yeah, you kind of do say that. Yeah. <laughs> but I think... Step back, get, Jack. Yeah, serious. And it goes back to, again, clarity, confidence, courage, clarity on what's going on. And I would say that's a shame cycle. Mm. That leader is feeling shame, so she's putting it on you and yelling at you and you're starting to feel shame. No one's stopping the cycle, you know, and Brene, Brene Brown has done a lot of work on the shame cycle and kind of how shame influences our thinking. So that's one of my favorite resources when we start thinking about shame. But I think 
you get to stop the shame cycle. You get to say, hang on, I'm willing to listen to you, but I'm not willing to be yelled at. This Mm -hmm. is not working for me. This is not okay. I don't understand what you're so upset about, but this is not constructive communication. Mm -hmm. And if they can't respect that, then then you have to, it's like you keep drawing a line further and further back until you actually leave. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of when we've had our first child, my husband modeled this so well. You know, I'm so overwhelmed. She's now 18, but it was my first child. And I remember being in the room and they brought her into me and the lactation consultant <laughs> comes in after she realized, and she was kind of talking to me about, what this looked like to feed your child. And I liked all this, but I was still trying to take it all in. Bottom line is she was a couple of days later, she was kind of hungry and she, she needed food. And so I gave her some formula. Mm-hmm. Well, the lactation consultant came in and she started looking at this saying, what are you doing this for? And kind of shaming me. Mm-hmm. And I was so overwhelmed. My dear husband stepped immediately in and said, can I see you out in the hallway? Because I couldn't even take it all in. I'm trying to navigate all this. Right. And he basically said, we, are, we would love to listen to you. We're new parents. We don't have a clue what we're doing. And my wife would love to listen to you. But the way you're talking to her is not okay. Mm-hmm. If you'd like to come and join us in our room and teach us about this, we would love to learn from you. But you may not teach us in a way that says shame on you. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, that woman came back a changed woman. <laughs> And I just so admired my husband for doing that, being quick on the spot to shut down the shame. I admired her for hearing that and saying, oh, yeah, of course. I was coming at you with shame. And then I appreciated this all just getting on the same page. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's kind of an intimate um, example, but that's one that sticks out in my mind that you can stop it or someone else can stop it. And sometimes they're really open to it and it completely changes the whole course of the conversation. Other times they want to reserve the right to shame you and they're going to go off in a huff. Mm -hmm. Either way, you've established a boundary that's there that says, yeah, I don't communicate with shame. I'm not going to shame you and I don't want you shaming me. And then you articulate what you do want. I want to learn and I want to understand your expertise and I'm overwhelmed here and I need help. You know, so you're, you're able to put all your cards on the table and see how they respond to that. Most people respond pretty well to that. We just don't know how to handle it in the moment because we're kind of overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So going back to your situation, you know, being able to stop that shame, shame cycle, look at her and say, this yelling at me is not okay. I'm willing to hear you and I want to learn from you, but what you're doing is hurting the relationship and it's breaking down trust and it's making me not want to be here and it's making me not want to work with you. Mm-hmm. But how many of us really have that clarity when we're getting yelled at? <laughs> we're just, courage to speak up. <laughs> right. We don't have our words and we move then into fight or flight because we're just kind of feeling ambushed by it all. Exactly. That's exactly it. And I love that you have Darren to stand up for you. And we have, we need to have people around us that can fight for us when we can't, which is right. it, your story. When you had um, your daughter it reminds me with me. Um, I had my daughter Eden and we went into labor at 28 weeks. So I was in the hospital for two weeks. She was born at 30 and she was three pounds. And I just looked at her and I cried and I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know. I'm so sorry. I did this to you. Yeah. But it was nothing I did. It was just how it happened. And so I had to overcome that with, okay, I can't think about what was wrong with me and I can't feel this guilt. I felt so guilty that she had to live in this little incubator for nine weeks. It was awful. Mm -hmm. And so, but to move on and say, okay, now 
what can I do about this? And how do we have that positive light? How do we find the clarity that, okay, and she was fine. She was just born early. So luckily she's healthy and we just have to keep moving on and just find what's right with everything. And it's all about perspective. And that's what you're teaching is just getting the right perspective and be feeling empowered by that. Right. And if we're in a vulnerable spot, like you're, you were working, I was a new mother, it's going to be hard and challenging. So you kind of want to have some reservoir built in to be prepared for seeing shame quicker so you can stop it. My other thought too is you may not have someone there in the moment like my husband. And in your case, you didn't have anyone, but you can still have someone on the outside or you can even have someone years later to help get context from that. It might still be bothering you. Even like in our conversation today, you brought it up. I want to say, Christina, I'm sorry you had to endure that. You should never endure that. And here's what you get to say next time when it happens, mm-hmm. you know? And then there becomes this, this gentle healing resolve for you so that you have clarity on what happened. You have the confidence to have the words next time. And now you have the courage already built in that says, next time someone does this to me, I'm going to stop the conversation. Mm-hmm. I had a leader ask me yesterday, what do you do when you get ambushed by someone emotionally? You know, they come storming in your office, and they're mad at you, and you all of a sudden go in flight or, flight or fight mode. Mm-hmm. And I say, oh, you stop it immediately. Because when our brain is in flight or fight, we don't have a rational thought. We're trying to figure out how to duck and cover or get yeah. out of there, right? Right. Or we're getting ready to gear up to kind of defend ourselves. So I think what I, I always just normalize, it's a human response. If you're feeling ambushed, you just stop it and say, hang on, hang on. I'm confused and I'm feeling thrown here. Mm-hmm. Typically most people will go, Oh, I'm sorry. Here's what's happening. Um, if they're super aggressive and they don't care about your feelings, they're going to keep yelling at you. And then that's when you have to turn around and walk out and say, I'm not having this conversation until you can hear me. Mm-hmm. but we don't usually have to get there as much as we think we do. We just don't know how to set that first line in the sand that says, Hey, I care, but I can't hear you this way. In fact, it's, I feel threatened. I feel nervous. I'm confused. Uh, my husband and I just encountered this last week with our son. He's 16. My husband was challenging him with some grades and it started getting sideways quick. I could tell something was going on, but I didn't know what it was. You know, my, my son is starting to, to melt down. My, my husband is trying to call out the potential, but my son is not hearing it that way. Once I stopped, I said, hang on, Luke, what's going on? What are you feeling? He goes, I feel threatened and I feel scared and I feel pressured. Hmm. Now, you know, that's really rare for a 16 year old boy to have that many vocabulary words for emotional. His emotional intelligence is very high. We've worked hard on emotional categories. I was getting ready to go reach for the emotional category sheet. He doesn't need one. (laughs) I have to look at it, my sheet to see what I'm feeling, but he doesn't need one and he's able to articulate it. Well, it shifted the whole conversation. My husband goes, Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. I was trying to call out potential, but let me now stop and address your heart. I don't want you to feel threatened, pressured or scared. I want you to know that I believe in you. I'm behind you. What can we do to make sure that you feel that support? Mm-hmm. So we're making sure that my son's heart is really being taken care of and heard first before we move into the conversation of raise your grades. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think this conversation is so important right now while we're sheltering in place and everything's crazy. We need to take care of ourselves mm-hmm. and we need to focus. It's so easy to focus on what's wrong with the world and what's wrong with us. 
and what's right with us. So what do you love to do? What are you good at? And then do that at home and bring that at home and make it a healthy place. So how do we do that? It takes work, especially when a world is struggling or it's in pain. You know, I think I, I like to honor that and say, this is hard to watch. We're in the middle of COVID. We're in the middle of California fires. You know, I look out the window now and it's ashy gray. Right. I felt the sadness of the world today. So I want to give respect to that and that it just feels sad (laughs) that our world is hurting. My state of California feels hurting. And it's September 11th as we're recording this right now. And so that's all over social media. And those memories are also. Exactly. So it would feel really irrelevant and unkind to just get on there and say, like, let's just use social media, for example, to get on social media and say, everybody smile, be positive. Right. That feels (laughs) very inauthentic, you know? So, you know, even just this idea of how do we connect with the world? How do we put ourselves out there? How do we honor what's going on? How do we give respect to it? And I just thought about that a little bit. And I just, on this morning, just put a, a really quick post on there of our firefighters raising the American flag saying, uh, grateful for our firefighters and sending prayers because everything from the fires we're fighting right now in our state to September 11th to COVID, we can put out um, this, we can connect with all the negativity going on or we can start putting out things like gratitude, mm-hmm. kindness, appreciation for what people are trying to do. There are so many people out there trying to make the world a better place. Right. Let's focus on them. Let's let's send out prayers and gratitude to them um, that are trying to make the world a better place or that are trying to deal with the crises that we're in. Are some of them messing up badly? Of course, we all do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but do we want to sit there and keep focusing on the messing up? I don't see how that's going to support the conversation. So I think how we join the conversation is critical. Mm-hmm. I think what we offer in the conversation and recognizing the ripple effect of that is critical. I think understanding where the other person is or where the other side of the conversation is, is critical. So there's this ongoing awareness of this, this connection of this empathy of what am I feeling about this and what do I want to contribute either to this relationship, this conversation or to this, to the world in general. Mm -hmm. That's so true because we can, it's the same thing. You can say what's wrong with me, what's right with me, what's wrong with the world, what's right with the world and how you address it. What's wrong with me is, okay, where do I need to grow? And these are measurable tools that I can get to grow. And then same thing with the world. Okay, this is wrong with it, but we can do these things and make an educated, respectful response to say, this is how we can make it better. And so it parallels perfectly. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Heather. That's awesome. Well, thank you for making that full circle connection, Christina. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even see that till you said it. You're really good. Thank you for bringing that. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Well, now I know what's right with me. So thank you. (laughs) Good. Mission accomplished. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I always have so much fun with you, Heather. So thank you for letting us have a heartfelt, real conversation. Oh, you're so welcome. My privilege. So fun talking with you. And it's fun hearing from the listeners, too. I've been hearing some great comments. So please feel free to give feedback. Tell us what you're liking. Um, I think we're putting it on social media, Christina. Mm -hmm. Yep. Free to jump into that conversation. We love hearing from you all. 
And we have our YouTube channel up also, so they can look up Heather Penny and find that. And that's where I'll also post that link on social media. So you can watch us, you can listen to us. It can be Heather Penny all day, all night. So <laughs> it's a party with Heather Penny. <laughs> so you can subscribe to Heather Penny podcast and you can also subscribe to her YouTube channel so you can listen to us or you can watch us. And if you have any questions, comments, um, like Heather said, please go to our website, heatherpenny.com. And remember to live your best life. You have to live intentionally. Have a great day. And we can't wait for you to join us next time. Thanks, Heather. You're welcome. Good talking to you, Christina. You too.